I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. Please stand for our gospel reading. Our lesson is from Mark 16, 9, 16. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who have been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Jesus later appeared to eleven as they were eating. He broke them for lack of faith in their stubborn refusal to believe that who had seen him after he was risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creations. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be commended. This is the word of our God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you ever share a meal with me, you'll notice that there won't be any meat on my plate. I've been a vegetarian for nearly 16 years. Being a vegetarian means that I abstain from eating meat, using products that are tested on animals, and surprisingly, I don't hunt. But on occasion, I do fish. I have a rule though, everything that I catch must be thrown back in the water. A few years ago, my parents and I took a trip to Lake Michigan to go fishing. I wasn't particularly interested and brought my knitting along as some entertainment. However, the guys on the boat were having difficulties catching any fish. I think I remember them grumbling about the location or the weather. So just for fun, I decided to cast out. And to everyone's amazement, I caught the biggest fish of the day. My dad was in disbelief. His vegetarian daughter, who wouldn't even touch the fish, caught the largest one, and they had to throw it back in the water. There's a picture of this fish. In the picture, I wouldn't touch it. In fact, it's my dad who's holding the fishing pole and the fish, and I'm just standing next to it smiling. It was unbelievable. And if I hadn't had the picture, no one would believe it. The scripture today is unbelievable. Jesus is risen. He is alive. He is resurrected. He revealed himself to Mary. He revealed himself to Mary? The word believe is used five times. Two of those times is used to describe the disbelief of the 11 disciples. 
The first time the 11 disciples do not believe is when Mary Magdalene tells them that Jesus has appeared to her. Mary had been a close friend of Jesus. Their relationship began when she was cured of seven evil spirits. Following that cure, she began supporting him and following him. She was able to see the miracles. She was a miracle herself. She was able to hear the lessons. It's said that Mary began financially supporting Jesus. Some translations even say that she ministered to Jesus. But we're never told what that ministry was. It may have been a ministry of prayer, of support, of listening. Mary was close to Jesus. She appeared at some of the most important parts of his ministry in life. She was there at the crucifixion. She was there when he was taken off the cross and placed in the tomb for burial. In every gospel, it's reported that Mary was one of the first who Jesus revealed himself to. She was at the tomb on the Sunday of the resurrection. While Mary was close to Jesus, she wasn't one of his inner circle. She was never one of the twelve. Jesus had a particular relationship with the twelve disciples. He called them by name. They followed him. They witnessed his teachings and his miracles. They were his inner circle. And it must have been a slap in the face for Jesus to reveal himself to Mary and not them. They had done all that Jesus had instructed them to do. They left their lives behind. They were the right disciples. Yet Jesus was not only at work with them. Jesus had personal and unexpected interactions with many people. Take a look at Jesus eating at Zacchaeus' house. Jesus speaking with the woman at the well. Jesus healing the woman who had bled for 12 years. All of these were unbelievable interactions. Yet, Jesus could not be controlled. No one could control who Jesus revealed himself to. And this is great. The good news of God is revealed to people anywhere, at any time. Jesus is undeniably uncontrollable. So we should not be surprised that Jesus appeared first to Mary. Jesus never did the expected during his life. So why should we, or the disciples, expect him to be expected after his death and resurrection? I wonder how Mary felt when the person she loved the most was alive. I imagine that she was elated, surprised, ecstatic, maybe even relieved. It was all just a bad dream. Jesus is alive. I wonder what she did after Jesus appeared to her. I imagine that she raced to the disciples. She had to tell them. She was out of breath. She saw them and was trying to get the words out. Jesus is alive. I saw him. He revealed himself to me. But they weren't as elated. The disciples weren't as excited. I imagine that they shook their heads and dismissed her. Jesus couldn't have revealed himself to her. It was unbelievable. 
And I wonder how Mary felt when they did not believe her. I imagine that she felt defeated. She was betrayed. She was excluded from the group. She was never to be a part of the 12, or at this point, the 11. They didn't believe Mary because of who she was, or I should say, because of who she wasn't. It was unbelievable that Jesus would appear first to Mary Magdalene and not the disciples who had thought they'd done everything right. But this wasn't the first time that the disciples did not believe. They were no longer a body of believers, but a body of unbelievers. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, so my portion of the scripture covers the two travelers that Jesus encounters after uh, visiting Mary. And um, well, before I get started on that, um, this story strikes me very similar to one uh, called The Road to Emmaus. And uh, that's in Luke 24, uh, verses 13 through 25. I'm not going to read it all. That's a long, long bit, but I'm going to summarize it for you. Um, Jesus, um, he meets these two travelers on the road to Emmaus, and he um, he kind of hides himself. So if you look, if you've noticed, we took some pictures. Uh, the bandana's the disguise, apparently. <laughs> but um, yeah, so he hides himself from these two travelers, and he asks them, "What what what's the news?" Because you know, what else are you gonna do? And they tell him, "Oh, you haven't heard about all that has happened to the Christ." He has been um, arrested. He's been hung on a cross, and he has died. And um, they, they also go, well, this lady Mary came out, and she was saying that Jesus is alive, but nobody believes her. We don't believe her. And, and then immediately Jesus, they still don't know he's Jesus. He scolds them for their disbelief. He goes, how could you not believe that? Like, he is the Messiah. How, how are you to expect anything? And then immediately after that, he uh, he starts talking to them about scripture. He starts loving them, trying to communicate with them. And as they're on their road to Emmaus, they uh, it reaches nighttime, and uh, the two travelers they had had such a good conversation with Jesus, who they still didn't know was Jesus, that they invited him into their home to eat. And there they broke bread and they drank wine and they gave thanks to God. And that's when Jesus revealed himself after the kindness of two strangers. And then he told them to go to the eleven and tell them that he is alive and that he will see them in Galilee. However, as the scripture says, when the two travelers go to talk to the eleven, they are not believed. They had seen the physical embodiment of Jesus Christ. They had eaten with the man himself, and yet the eleven would not believe. But I don't want to I don't want to rat on the eleven too bad because I mean look at it from their position. You know, they've been following Jesus for a while now, and, and they finally uh, they get to they get around to places and Jesus he's he's arrested and then he's executed. Like they're 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 being hunted down, arrested, and executed. 
and they're in fear for their lives. I mean, they just lost their leader. They're in grief, massive amounts of grief at the time. And so, you know, I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to believe, like, if I had a close friend who just died and someone was like, oh, no, they're still alive. Like, I'd be like, uh, really? Coming at me like that? No. But, you know, it's even though that they were in that situation, they still had a massive flaw, which was the disbelief. They refused to accept any other evidence that did not come from within. They thought that that other people didn't have the right message. They couldn't have it. I mean, Jesus talked to them. Not, not everybody else. But yet, the message still got there beyond all belief, and yet they they still refused to believe it. So, what what can we what can we get from this? Well, one. Deniability based off disbelief can be a dangerous thing. Just because you may not believe something, that does not mean that someone's belief is not valid. They had seen Christ in the flesh. That didn't mean that they were wrong about what they said. When we decide to close our ears and refuse to listen to those who have messages for us. That's when we're all lost. Maybe maybe the the um, disciples, they needed a good scolding and then a good loving. Later on in the scripture, they do go into that where he scolds them immediately, going, why did you guys not believe my messengers? But then he talks with them about scripture, and there's a beautiful lesson to be learned from that. The good news from God presents itself to people anywhere at any time, undeniably uncontrollable. So it's important to listen to who it comes from, because it's from anyone. So the disciples didn't believe Mary, and they didn't believe the travelers. So after this all happened, Jesus appeared to them as they ate. He chastised them for their lack of faith, because he chose those people to spread the good news, and they wouldn't believe them. After scolding them, Jesus instructed them to go out into the world and share the good news of Christ. He said that all those who believed would be saved and would have eternal life. At this point, we have heard the story of a woman who was not taken seriously because of who society said she was. And we've heard the story of two men who were not taken seriously because of what society said they were not. The eleven didn't believe Mary because she was a woman. She was not in the inner circle of Jesus' followers. There was no way that she was as worthy as they were. She couldn't possibly be the first one to see Jesus after he rose from the dead, could she? 
he surely would have chosen one of his close, close friends and his trusted disciples, not this Mary Magdalene. They didn't believe the travelers because, again, these two men couldn't be as faithful as the eleven. They also were not in Jesus' it crowd. The apostles were the most trustworthy. The apostles were the most loyal. And the apostles were the most obvious choice to be Jesus' messengers, they thought. Having devoted their entire lives to Jesus Christ, they struggled to comprehend that he did not choose them first. I think that sometimes, without finding or without realizing it, we um, can find ourselves in this position of the disciples. We go to church every week, and we pray before every meal. So naturally, we're at the top of the discipleship food chain, right? We read the Bible and we do all the things that it says to do, all the right, upstanding Christian things. However, We are only a very small part of God's creation. God is at work here, and that's very true, but he's also at work in so many other places and through so many other types of people. Our world, meaning the people that influence us and the people that we influence, doesn't represent even a fraction of the people through which God speaks. He talks to us through all kinds of people from all different backgrounds, especially the ones that you don't expect. I mean, if you put it in perspective, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was no one before God chose her to be someone, before God chose her to be the vessel of the Savior of humanity. And there's no denying that she was chosen. I mean, if you look at Jesus himself, he was not from high society, and he was not of noble birth, and he had no education In Mark chapter 1, Jesus touches a leper to heal him. The man that we worship every week touched the lowest of the low of their society. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus lets all the little children gather around him. He places his hands on them, and he prays for the ones that were normally pushed aside because they weren't old enough to understand or old enough to be impactful. In John chapter 13, Jesus, the Son of God, washes his disciples' feet, which is a symbol of of servitude. Before his death, Jesus never did what was expected, and he was never controllable. So how could we expect him to be any different after his death and resurrection? Why on earth would we expect him to only speak to people in his inner circle? Jesus was all sorts of unacceptable through society's eyes, but he was undeniably the son of God. And I think you have to agree that if no one had believed Jesus, there would be a bit of a key element missing from our faith. Similarly, If you only listen to the Lord when he speaks through the people that you consider worthy in a place that you consider proper for one hour every week, you will only hear a small portion of what he has to tell you. So open your minds at school and at work and open your ears to your friends and your neighbors because the good news of God is revealed to anywhere 
to people anywhere, anytime, undeniably uncontrollable. So we've covered that we must open ourselves to what God says through others, but we must also remember that we are not always meant to be just the audience. When Jesus told his disciples to go into the world and spread the great news, his instructions didn't just apply to those 11 people on that one day. It is our job to not only open our minds to Jesus, no matter how he is appearing, but to spread our knowledge and our faith through our world and places that are outside of our comfort zones. God is working in so many people and in so many ways that limiting our ears and our voices to our sliver of the earth in this sliver of time does him no justice. As you go into the world this week, let go of your need to control Jesus and open your hearts to the reality of the Jesus that you cannot control.